معكم عزيز شراج كاتب روائي وباحث في التاريخ وعلم السوسيولوجيا علم الاجتماع Greetings. This is Aziz Siraj, writer, history researcher. Regarding the question, what should Muslims do? There is a great contradiction between Islamic values and what is currently there, or rather, how others see us, given that the image in which others see us is mixed with many, if you will, delusions. In the sense that a Muslim in our world has come to be associated with terrorists and so on. Why? Because, first of all, Muslims themselves have moved away from the true essence of Islam. Here, I accept the Prophet's definition of Islam. Although I do not agree with many hadith, I will leave that out of the discussion. There are things we should still adhere to. For example, when the Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave us the definition of Islam, he defined it simply and in great depth. He was asked, what is Islam? He said, a Muslim is one whose hands and tongue do not harm people, one who does no harm, meaning that Muslims do no harm to anyone. He did not say that Muslims are protected. He said that all people should not be harmed by Muslims. We now think as if Islam is a national or Arab religion, but in my understanding, it is much deeper and broader than that. The Messenger, Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him states in the Quran and in many hadith that he was sent as a mercy to the worlds. Many of the reactions of the followers of Islam or Muslims in the world have nothing to do with Islam. For example, when we see the reaction of Muslims after the Charlie Hebdo incident, that's not an Islamic reaction. That's not how they show zeal for Islam. The Holy Prophet was abused in Mecca, and he did not call for violence. He was abused in Medina, and he did not call for violence. What I mean is that Muslims stood up as one to support Islam in the person of the Messenger. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, because someone, some foreigner insulted him. And Muslims themselves are far from Sharia and the goals of Muhammadians who believe in mercy cooperation, and doing no harm. It is therefore wrong for a man to be a Muslim and pretend to be zealous for the messenger while he is holding a box of cigarettes or any box and throwing it in the street. Muhammad didn't come for that. Muhammad came to implement the principles of inheritance and responsibility on earth. Muhammad came to do that. He didn't come to favor one nation over other nations. He never came for that. We Muslims are now in dire need of a great rethinking of the primary source of the Muslim message, which is the Quran. It is unwise for us Muslims to read the Quran with the same eyes that we did 15,000 years ago, to interpret with the eyes and ears of Ibn Abbas. He was only 11 years old. This is unreasonable. It does not fit. It is also unreasonable to live by the canons of Ibn Taymiyyah, which were relevant in a certain era, and their reservations with them. Muslims were under invasion of the Tatars at that time. The canons of Ibn Taymiyyah were harsh. We cannot consider them valid for the present time. It is unreasonable and does more harm to Islam than benefit it.
Thus, Muslims now face a great challenge because the other nations see Islam in their streets, see Islam in the way people interact with each other. But within Islamic nations, we do not see Mohammedan relations among themselves. And even among us Muslims, we don't see it in our streets, in the cleanliness of our streets. We don't see it in our markets. We don't see it in our administrations. So what is of value of the great message we carry when we are completely unable to realize even part of it? Are we so useless? We don't know what the value of this message is. Thus, we're faced with a real problem. And Muslims must understand that Muhammad's message is a message to the world and that Islam is not bound by two testimonies. There is a blessed ayat that says, From one who seeks a religion other than Islam, nothing will be accepted. In Islam, it does not mean that you are a Muslim if you proclaim two testimonies and your daily behavior is far from the divine purposes. This has become unacceptable and we must seek a new Islamic way, far from those interpreters of Islam. I call it the Islam of lawyers. There are no religious scholars. We have to figure it out for ourselves, hence unraveling. A scientist is a person who has given something scientific to society. Religious scholars cannot be called scientists. They are just educated people. Religion does not need to be negotiated. The Quranic dialogue was sent to people by Almighty Allah and made it easy to understand. There is a stipulation when God Almighty says, It is forbidden to you, so I have forbidden you. I would not wait for a scholar to read what is forbidden, because Almighty God said what is forbidden to us. The question of cheating is irrational and unacceptable. Allah, the only one to whom the knowledge of the previous world, the present world, and the science of the future belongs, cannot undo any of his previous ayat. It is logically unacceptable, unacceptable and incompatible with reason, for Almighty God is a knower. What I am saying is, can God refuse what he has said? How can religious science based on these myths be a source of progress? This foundational science is a source of backwardness and will never be a source of progress. Muslims must fully realize that some of what we are is not related to religion, but rather is an inherited social custom and that a true Muslim who wants to study his religion must become a Muslim who studies it in a new way, and that study must be without barriers and without Quranic interpreters. The Quran has become an amulet in the Arab world. It has become an amulet. When one rides in a cab in the morning, one puts the Quran there. Not for contemplation and awareness, as Allah has commanded in all his ayats, but to ward off evil and ward off envy. The Quran, which was supposed to be the source of inspiration and a source of awareness, has become a source of polytheism and a source of witchcraft. In proof of this are sorcerers, charlatans, and imposters of prophetic medicine. I will say, the Prophet was not a doctor and did not understand medicine. The Prophet came with a message and conveyed it, that is, he conveyed the Quran. 
The Quran became a cure for epilepsy. It cures superstitious diseases and heals. What is this? Is this the Islam that Muhammad brought to people? I don't think it is. I think many of those who hear this will agree with me in many ways, but many will also dissent and I may still be accused of apostasy. But as we go forward, we have to cleanse the Islamic heritage of all the impurities that have stuck in it and become our religion. While the Quran has been completely abandoned and replaced by the so-called Sunnah or the method of the Prophet, the method of the Prophet in the Quran. I say this and I repeat it. Muslims should reread the Quran according to the norms of this century, not the norms of a thousand and a half years ago. This is what we want to convey, and perhaps we will have more than one meeting to clarify more and in more detail. Thank you. The question can be reduced to what is called the essence of the Muslim message to humanity. The Messenger affirmed on many occasions through the Quran or through a number of hadith that he was sent into the world for all mankind. I mean, why not? The Muhammadan call is not limited to a certain geographical area or a certain race. We can also derive this from the meaning of the farewell sermon in which the Messenger, before his death, sought to put this call into the minds of Muslims or into the minds of humanity. And here he uses the phrase, let him who is present give this instruction to him who is absent. Here, most of all the Prophet was trying to focus attention on the world. Do not kill one another and do not return after me to the godless. This means that the question of killing and the question of war were important to him and aroused his anger. But what happened next? Muslims were ruthlessly engaged in wars after the Prophet's death and this opened up many issues and even led to turmoil. I mean, and my book, which is about to be published, says that the distortion of Muhammadan teaching immediately after the Prophet's death was a distortion of Muslim teaching in general. So the Islamic message is obvious. You don't have to dig into it. It doesn't need experience and it doesn't need intelligence. Just look at the greeting that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave to Muslims, and it is the new greeting, peace be upon you. This greeting is like a flag, like a man carrying a white flag. The white flag is peace. How can a nation whose slogan is greeting, peace be upon you, be part of war? Or is this nation's entire land a war zone? This is incompatible with Muhammad's message, the essence of which is peace and love. In his farewell sermon, he focused on another, more important thing, woman. He paid particular attention to women and said, treat women very well. I think Muslims are far or too far from the commandments of the Messenger. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him from his goals that he wanted to see for his followers. Thank you. Regarding the third question, 
How do we understand what it means to be a true Muslim? This is a good question because this question is the cornerstone of all Muslims. The question is that all Muslims right now don't know how to be good Muslims. Here, I am reminded of Gandhi's statement when someone came and said, I want to be a real Hindu. He said, go, be a good man and be a good Christian. Because Muslims now believe that to be a good Muslim, it is enough to say testimonies and practice rituals or beliefs, prayer, pilgrimage, except for zakat. Everyone practices the creed as he wishes. This is the problem of Islam in our age. Or is the relationship between people, the real concept of Islam and its pillars must be restored. Shahida, pilgrimage, prayer, and zakat are not the five pillars of Islam. They are the pillars of faith, not of Islam. We must understand what it means to be a Muslim. In many dialogues with the congregation, we stipulate what it means to have a prayer community. It means that the Almighty did not create us humans to sit in mosque all the time. Now, you see Muslim mosque with all the latest model air conditioners and everything is there. But outside of mosque, you see garbage and Muslim schools are not air conditioned. What will God do to you for while you pray for five minutes in an air-conditioned mosque? Your children spend six or eight hours in a school where they are in a poor conditions? What will God ask you when you find yourself in a clean mosque and on a dirty street? So what is the essence of prayer? Prayer is to have a connection with yourself, not to lie to yourself, to have a connection with the people around you and nature. This is the only place where you can rise to the level of connection with God. Prayer is the top of the pyramid of connection between self, environment, and God. The significance of prayer has been reduced by Muslims and it has become an anesthetic for someone who could cheat on the scales, could lie, could commit adultery, could steal, and when he prayed, he would think that he had washed away all those sins. So true prayer, prayer is a ritual that plays a negative role in our society, even though it could play a positive role. I'm talking about the fact that the mosque is clean inside, but outside the mosque, most Muslims find dirt on their streets and so on. Thus, the essence of the prayer here is not complete and perfect. To be a true Muslim, you have to make sure that people do not suffer from you and that nature does not suffer from you. First, nature on earth should not suffer from you because you are the hairs on earth, not only in the mosque. If you went to the mosque and you had a cigarette in your mouth, you took it and threw it away. You did not pray. You weren't praying, but rather, you were doing things outside the scope of prayer. Muslims have decided that being a Muslim means only practicing prayer. But that would have been a huge mistake. Rituals have moved away from spiritual goals and become entertainment. People go to Eid al-Adha as entertainment. The celebration of Ramadan has become a whole month of parties, a season of food and extravagance. Friday has become like a holiday. 
Every religious holiday has become associated with certain foods that the poor can afford. So what does Islam have to do with it? I think we, as Muslims, need to reconsider whether or not to leave the rewrite. I ask any Muslim to appeal to reason and logic to reach a divine relationship with the Creator, far from the old commandments. God will judge you alone, far from the commandments of scholars. And this, I think, is a poignant topic and a long discussion, for we will get to the doors and entrances that will lead us into the mazes. But it falls on the Muslim, any Muslim, to be responsible because Almighty Allah has commanded it in more than one ayat. And I repeat that He called for contemplation, the use of mind, and the use of hearing. And the use of mind in studying the phenomena that are encountered along the way. And God, glory be to Him, loves to be worshipped by one who believes and who knows how to worship Him. It is a very good question because Islamic society has alienated its half and no society can progress when its half is paralyzed or absent. The position of woman in Islam. There is a huge difference between the position of woman in Islam and the position of woman in the reality of Muslims. We must distinguish between these two terms because many are confused. The position of woman in Muslims is thought to be the position of woman in Islam, and this is not true. Women have been looked at from ancient times on the basis that they are meant for pleasure. And this has been the case with all people, all civilizations, and to a greater extent, it has been the case with us Arabs, who have considered women to be the source of pleasure for men. The position of woman among Muslims has remained the same. Rather, it has become worse than it was. We say that Allah Almighty is fair, but we say that man's hair was not nakedness, but a woman's hair was like nakedness. It is a kind of covering for women, that is, we cover them up to cover men's thinking, which has nothing to do with Islam. For example, the position of a woman in Islam, according to the law, if she steals, she is subject to the same punishment as a man. She used to be involved in wars, and she had the right to pray and do whatever she wanted like a man. But then, a few religious figures took that right away from her and gave it a divine legal character. A real woman's place was in her home. If this was possible at that time and we could apply it, then in our time, that is, it was possible at that time because of social circumstances and prevailing customs. Women now outnumber men in the population. Is progress possible in a world where the majority of its population does not work or think? The problem is that the Arab woman is now unable, even until now, to take her place in society. Recently, in one country, women were given right to drive, and this is something that can be inspiring. By what right and by what law? 
Here's an ayat in the Holy Quran that says, when one buried alive is asked what sin she was killed for, my point is that buried cannot be seen only in the literal sense, but also in the figurative sense. Buried her rights, her belonging to society, buried her identity, which led to injustice, dressed her in a certain way, and gave it a religious character, although this is far from religion. I think it's a disaster for a Muslim woman. Many Muslim women consider themselves mentally and religiously flawed. They believe, believe in these poisonous notions that have accumulated in the minds of women over the centuries. Even Arab and Muslim women have become inhibited and cannot create. I am not talking about creation. She cannot even lead a normal daily life, cannot express her desires. Still, every day, women are judged and executed. A woman's mistake is unforgivable. We cannot move forward if we believe that a woman's honor lies in a reproductive system. This is one of the sore points of our society. It hurts and is ridiculous. I don't know any legislation that talks about this. I don't know where the superstition and witchcraft came from. I don't know where it came from and has been unfairly attributed to Islam on the grounds that it is Islamic legislation. This is a far cry from Islam and the divine guardianship over men and women. Almighty God is just and cannot look at His servant whom He created with a double view. He cannot look separately at the man and separately at the woman. It is wrong. If it is right for the father that his daughter is a girl and his son is a boy, it is wrong for God for whom we are all equal. He is justice and equality. This is what we have to understand. And the Muslim woman must understand that she still has a long way to go. She is the one who has to understand this first and foremost. The Muslim woman is the nucleus for the formation of the family, and she creates generations. If a Muslim woman is far from that and is convinced of what she has been indoctrinated, that she is inferior in mind and religion, then I think she still has a very long way to go. Thank you.